1: hell no we won't go lock up your sons your daughters and i suppose these days you're in between us the conscription call-up papers are in the post who do you think you're kidding mr sanders well we're promised four wars in the next few years by no less than the british defense secretary so we can't fight that with an armed forces that would comfortably fit in to Villa Park in Birmingham. And Donald Trump rampages on like a bull elephant through the bush. He crushes DeSantis and then crushes Haley, whose biggest funder has just turned off the tap. So the Dems have now got a decision to make. Do they jail their number one and only opponent in the presidential battles to come? And will Rishi Sunak even reach the Ides of March? It's all coming up over the next two hours here on the Mother of All Talk Shows.
0: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway.
1: That Colonel Sanders, he's finger-licking good. Yes, the head of the British Army announced that Britain will have to uh, introduce conscription, reintroduce conscription. We had it in the 1950s, in part to take up a labour shortage. Now that we've got a labour shortage in crucial sectors, I'm not sure where we're going to find the people to conscript. I'm too old. To be conscripted, even in Colonel Sanders's army, the Ukrainian army, maybe people not that far off my age are being conscripted. Women are being conscripted. Pregnant women are being conscripted. But surely the British army would turn their nose up at me. I'm not a pacifist. Let me say right at the beginning. And if our country was threatened. I would myself, whatever age I was, pick up arms and would oppose the invader. I was a boy soldier. I passed my part one, unlike Lord George Robertson, who then went on to become defense secretary, head of NATO, and is now warning that if we don't beat Russia and Ukraine, our enemies, he says, will dictate the course of world events. He was a boy soldier too, but he failed his part one. I was uh, able to strip an SLR rifle in the dark and reassemble it. I gave serious thought as a 14-year-old to joining the Royal Marines, even went on manoeuvre with them at Poole in Dorset. So I'm not a pacifist but I'll not be joining your army, Colonel Sanders, however finger-licking good you make war with Russia sound. And by the grace of God, I have three sons, and none of them will be joining your army either. I have three daughters, and none of them will be joining your army either. Because Russia is not our enemy. China is not our enemy your Prime Minister, your government, and Her Majesty's opposition, they are our enemy. They are the people who have betrayed Britain. They are the people who have failed to secure that most essential of services, peace, stability, freedom from crime, prosperity, and hope. It is the system, Colonel Sanders, that you and Mr. Shaps or Green or whatever his alias is today, who are the real enemy of the British people. Mr. Shaps promised us not one war, at least Colonel Sanders only wants us to fight one war against Russia. Colonel, uh, the, uh, Mr. Green, the defense secretary, he says we'll have to fight four wars in the foreseeable future. Against Russia, against China, against Iran, and against North Korea, maybe against all four of them at the same time, which you've got to admit is ambitious for a country with an armed force of 85,000 people, for a country without a steel industry at all soon, if and when Port Talbot closes, a country that has virtually no shipbuilding industry left, A country that is so industrially weakened as to be in a kind of industrial palsy from which our people are struggling to emerge and on which Brexit has done absolutely nothing to rescue us when we had the opportunity for the first time in more than 40 years to strike out in a new direction, automatically friends of none. Automatically enemies of none. We could have been an independent country after Brexit. We could have freed ourselves from the shackles of von der Leyen and Borel and the unelected bureaucrats who rule over us from Brussels. But no, this so-called Conservative government has completely dropped the ball on Britain's independence. They have thrown what benefits there could and should have been of Brexit all away. The wars that they have in mind to send our conscripted soldiers to, that's your son, by the way, your grandson, maybe your daughter, maybe your granddaughter, and if they're transitioning, uh, they won't escape the call-up either. In fact, they might have a special brigade for them, maybe in the Scottish regiments. these are your children. they're talking about sending to war against hypersonically nuclear armed Russia and China yeah. and North Korea and, and and Iran which begs this question: I know that Mr. Shaps wouldn't know one end of a rifle. From another, I know that Mister Shapps could not fight his way out of a wet paper bag. In fact, getting on as I am, nearly seventy, I'd fight Grant Shapps myself. Let's do it, Grant. Let's do three rounds for service charities. Heaven knows our servicemen need it. They're begging on the streets of London, soldiers in distress. So. Grant Shapps doesn't know one end of a rifle from another, but I presume that Colonel Sanders, who led our retreat from Basra, and led our retreat from the Helmand province, in both theatres of war, we scuttled out defeated by the local resistance. But that notwithstanding, he got a knighthood. He knows, presumably, one end of a rifle from another. And so he knows this, that there would not even be time for our conscripted sons and grandsons to get on a train for Lithuania or Latvia or whatever other hellhole in the Baltics he would be sending them to for this war. There would not be enough time for them to reach there by train before our war with Russia turned nuclear. Now, it was pointed out just the other day that this war with Russia, that a NATO general, a member of the general staff of NATO, says is definitely coming within 20 years. And he gave some helpful tips. He advised everyone to get a flashlight and make sure there are spare batteries. Although if the war doesn't come to the upper end of his predicted timescale, 20 years, the batteries might be flat by then. He really did say that. Make sure you've got a flashlight and batteries and presumably some tins of beans and presumably a cupboard under the stairs in which to shelter. But the truth is, as anyone who has seen Oppenheimer, which deservedly is sweeping the boards, in the awards ceremonies, anyone who has seen it and anyone who's done the maths that today's nuclear weapons are 1,000 times more powerful than the atomic weapon developed at Los Alamos by Mr. Oppenheimer knows that neither a cupboard under the stairs or a flashlight or a conscripted dad's army is going to do anybody any bit of good if we go to war with Russia. Because Russia is bristling with intercontinental ballistic nuclear missiles. Do you really think it isn't going to use them? Do you really think that in a war with NATO, that nuclear weapons will not quickly be deployed as soon as one side begins to gain an advantage over the other? Because if you think that, you are a fool. Do you think Russia's going to allow itself to be overrun by an army commanded by Colonel Sanders and Grant Shapps while sitting on top of its nuclear arsenal, able to wipe out all of its adversaries in an instant? If you think that, you are a fool. So what is all this talk about conscription about? Are these hastily conscripted, poorly trained, poorly armed, bloody infantry going to get on board our aircraft carriers stuck together with glue, our warships that crash into each other on active service? Are they going to join this army that would comfortably fit into Aston Villa's football ground and go and fight Russia, or as Sharp says, Russia and China and Iran and North Korea? Are we led by maniacs, lunatics, or criminals who are softening us up for something else? Is the war psychosis? They are seeking to generate a diversion from the utter, absolute failure. Somebody wrote to me the other day, I regarded it as a joke. Maybe, he said, they're getting ready to form a national government and cancel the British general election. I laughed. I thought it was totally absurd. But I'm not laughing now. Something is up. These lunatics are up to something and they are in charge of our asylum. Mind you, the anti-war movement is in a palace state also. You'll recall I reported at some length on Sunday how I and my colleague Chris Williamson, the former MP, Corbynite extraordinaire, had both been banned from speaking on a platform with the aforementioned Mr. Corbyn at a march that we and our families were on in the bitter cold in Birmingham on Saturday. You'll recall that later in the show on Sunday, somebody phoned up and said, good news. They've begun to retreat. They've said that we can now start attending their planning meetings, which they had made a big thing out of saying we had never attended, though we had never been invited, knew nothing of their planning meetings. Well, they're having a debate tonight about my views on immigration before deciding whether to allow us into their fold. Now, I have dilated on my views on immigration many times and I'm very happy to do so, but not tonight. Because what do I have to answer to a group of Toy Town Trotskyists about my views on immigration? I am an immigrant. I am the grandson of Irish immigrants. My wife is Indonesian. I'm the father Of five mixed race children, more people of colour in Britain have voted for me in parliamentary elections than any other politician in all the history of democracy in these islands. Do you really think I'm going to answer to the Birmingham Stop the War Coalition, to the Birmingham Palestine solidarity campaign about my views on immigration? Seriously? But here's the bigger question. What do my views on immigration have to do with my support for the demand for a ceasefire now in Gaza? What's the connection between these two things. Are you only welcome on a march demanding a ceasefire in Gaza if you tick all the other boxes too? Boxes drawn up by these toy town revolutionaries? If you don't pass the political ideological blood test you're not wanted on this voyage, what kind of Solidarity Movement, would that be? It would by definition be one self-limiting to those it already agrees with, with a no entry sign for those on other issues that they don't already agree with. I'll keep you posted on the outcome of their debate this evening. But frankly, if that's their attitude, I say we need a new anti-war coalition. No to NATO, no to conscription, no to war. And whatever your views on climate change, on trans rights, on immigration, on the climate question, on any of these matters, whatever your views, if you agree, With no to NATO, no to conscription, and no to war. You're welcome in our anti-war coalition. It's common sense, really. And I think the time has come for that. Now there's so much to discuss this evening. Like depraved, crazed, hyenas, the European colonial coalition of Canada, United States, Britain, the Netherlands were attacking poor Yemen, the poorest country in the Middle East, one of the poorest countries in the world. We were bombing it all week. The Royal Air Force alone, which has been bombing Yemen since the first year. Of the Royal Air Force's existence. Yes, more than a hundred years we've been bombing Yemen and we were at it again this week. The Royal Air Force alone fired four Sidewinder missiles costing £200,000 each. £800,000 was burned in an instant. Presumably setting fire to people and property in Sana'a, the capital of Yemen. There was no parliamentary debate. There was no parliamentary approval. There was no national discussion. There was only the order to fire against the people of Yemen. For what? Because the Yemenis, without killing... A single person tried to bring an end to the genocide in Gaza. By saying that no ship can go from or to the genocidal state of Israel through the Red Sea, we ought to have been giving them an award. Instead, we gave them four sidewinder missiles. That's the cost of the missiles alone. The cost of the airplanes, the mission is, of course, in the millions. And speaking of that genocide, on Friday, we will get the verdict of the International Court of Justice. On trial is Israel, our closest ally, for whom we're prepared to spend any money To give any guns, to provide any diplomatic and political cover, to give an ocean of favourable press and broadcasting coverage to, to invert the very meaning of the words of our wonderful English language in order to defend and protect. We don't know what the verdict will be, but they're getting the band back together Because Germany, France, Britain and the United States have already declared that they will not accept a guilty verdict. It's the rules-based take-your-pick policy. The rules-based take-your-pick order. And we take our pick. Russia bad, Israel good. Ukraine murders, old age pensioners in the snow in Donetsk. Don't even report it. Ukraine shoots down an airliner full of its own prisoners of war being flown to a prisoner exchange. Don't even mention it. That's the rules based. Take your pick, order. And if you think my sons are going to war to defend that, you have got another think coming. Stay tuned. It's the mother of all talk shows.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway.
1: Yasser Al is a Yemeni diplomat of note. And as it seems to be the policy of Western media and the Western political class to pretend that the Yemenis don't have a point of view and, in any case, don't have anyone who can enunciate it, so best not have them on. Let's just treat them as inanimate objects to be bombed and straffed and rocketed and missiled. We thought it was time to give the Yemenis a say. Excellency, thank you for joining us on the Mother of All talk shows tonight. I was talking earlier uh, about the uh, fact that Britain has been killing Yemenis not only as long as I've been alive, uh, and that's definitely true, but actually the Royal Air Force was bombing Yemen from the first year that it existed. That's quite an accolade. What exactly have you done to harm the British?
2: Yes, Mr. George, uh, first of all let me just thank you for having me your show, and thanks to your audience. Uh, Actually, as you know, Yemeni people uh, have suffered for almost nine years uh, since the war against Yemen started. So it's not the beginning of the UK and the US bombing of Yemen, actually. They are, they used to bomb Yemen throughout their allies, their puppets, their tools, as we can say about, uh, through the Saudis, through the Emirates, but now they are directly engaging in a battle against people and directly bombing our territories and killing our people. Uh, Of course, it's uh, their perspective. They are always, you know, uh, acting or playing the the role of uh, the hero who saves lives, who saves humanitarian lives, who protect the principles and the democracy around the world, which in fact they are just acting aggress- aggressively against our people, just like they do with the other nations. Uh, uh, first of all, when we started this battle against the Israeli ship- ships in the in the Red Sea, uh, to be honest, Mr. George, our position was, you know, we 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 got engaged in this battle uh, from a humanitarian standpoint. We didn't engage in this. In this but because we want to harm others, or we want to just, you know, bring, or we wish to bring a crisis or a new crisis to our people who are suffering from starvation, seek, and uh, a war against them since nine years from, uh, from uh, 2015. But when we uh, watched all of the world have been watching this slaughter and these crimes and this genocide against the people of Palestine, We have been in such a situation. We cannot just stand silent and do nothing towards this, towards this genocide against the Palestinian people. So our leader stood up, our people stood up. You can see millions of Yemenis are protesting the streets every week, or every Friday they go out to the streets and just, you know, demonstrating their rights of defending the oppressed people of Palestine. We don't want crisis in the region. But what's happening in Palestine is—is—is is, is actually we cannot just you know keep silent for what's happening in there. So sure. we have some choices. We started launching some ballistic missiles and drones and, and, and manned drones towards Eilat, the Kobayt a uh, port. Uh, some uh, some of other choices we had in the Red Sea to prevent all. The Israeli ships navigating in the Red Sea and in the Arab Arabian uh, Sea, but what did the US and the UK do? And Instead of going to the Israelis to stop their genocide, they decided to wage another war against the people of Yemen. So what we are doing is coming from a humanitarian. They they they, they prefer the war rather than going to stop this genocide. They came from overseas, they came from like thousands thousand, and thousands of miles to protect the Israelis, to support the Israelis, to, to support genocide, just uh, against the, the, the Geneva Convention, the Genocide Convention, the humanitarian international law. They. Just, you know, violate every single humanitarian law that has been uh, written and drawn in the United Nations. And uh, also uh, within the Security Council, they voted against the ceasefire, like the, the U.S. did. And now they are, they just don't want us to step up and do something for the Palestinian people.
1: What exactly are they doing with these raids how often are they now bombing, uh, and what damage are they doing to the people and property uh, of an already
2: war-ravaged country? Well, actually, you know, uh, uh, launching an attack to uh, to another to another country like they are doing now to our country is uh, is a preaching for the for the international law. This is the first thing we should know. Uh, the second thing, actually, the damage of their bombing is not that extensive because uh, the spots they are uh, they are attacking places that have been bombed before by the Saudis and the United Arab Emirates. There is no thinking, and they claim that they are decreasing the capabilities of Ansarullah and the Yemeni army. And this is not also true. They killed some some of our troops, some of our soldiers. Fifteen soldiers now have been killed by the raids of the United States and the UK. And this is not going to be uh, passing unpunished or unanswered, of course. We will answer these attacks against our people and our uh, territory. We didn't want, actually, the crisis to come to this far because the United States cared for nothing but to protect the Israelis. But our people' blood is so precious. We cannot just stand and uh, let them kill our people and just preach our sovereignty without doing anything in return. No. Before these this attacks, Mr. George, the American ships, the UK ships, were not a target. Now they are trying to put, like, a red line limit now they are actually broke all red line limits in front of our army forces so now what wasn't a target people is now a target why did they bring this to themselves I don't, I don't just get it maybe is it more valuable to protect the Israeli ships than to stop the genocide in Palestine no this is not what we are, uh, what we are aware of what, what the the u.s policy is trying to show to the world they are so brutal they're so brutal mr George they, 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 they care for nothing but to protect the the, the genocide comm- comm- commit the, uh, the the killer the criminal but when it comes to the people, and just act uh, positively towards these people. They come and bomb their, uh, their their land and their country. They try to kill as many as uh, as many as they can kind of civilians of my country. But we are used to this aggressive acts from the United States and the UK. They have been supporting, subsidizing. And giving all kind of weapons to the Saudis and the Emirates to kill our people, and that during the last nine years. Now it's not going to be changed in this way. What matters the most is the is the humanitarian lives today. And if they don't stop the genocide in Gaza, the tension in the Red Sea and the Arabian Sea is going to just. Be increased to which levels we cannot know actually. But what happened today, for example, if you heard the statement of the yesterday and the day before, they were targeting uh, uh, the, the ships, the Martian ships, and the the the, the vessels of the Israeli ships and uh, the U.S. ships. Today there were uh, a clashes between the Yemeni armed, uh, armed forces and the warships of the United States of America. It, it it it's it lasted for two hours clashes for two hours so the thing the thing is that it's getting up and up it's not getting de-escalated if they are claiming or they they want to lie to the to their people that they are you know just uh de, de-, de-, de- escalating the conflict and they are just decreasing the capabilities of Ansarullah and the Yemeni army. They are lying, and I'm telling the Western people, the American people, the UK people, but throughout your window, Mr. George, politicians are lying to you. Nothing is happening as much as you can know from our side. This is what's happening. What's happening in the Red sea, the Arab, the Arabian sea is different than is, is more different than what the politicians are telling you. Uh, some uh, the worst is coming up. And if you don't put pressure, uh, pressure to your politicians to withdraw from the Red Sea and the Arab Sea, maybe uh, some uh, harmful changes are coming to be worse in the coming days, and we don't know until uh, where it's going to be.
1: Well, uh, the declared purpose of the mission is to degrade and mm-hmm. diminish uh, the fighting capability of the Yemeni people. But in truth, it is we who are being degraded and diminished by our involvement in this dirty, sordid affair on behalf of the genocidal state of Israel. Excellency, thank you for joining us. We'll regularly feature Yemeni voices as long as this crisis continues. Thanks for being on the mother of all talk shows.
0: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway.
1: So the poll tonight, who will be Donald Trump's presidential running mate? Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, or Tucker Carlson? You have your say. In fact, why don't we ask as the first question to the one and only Katie Halper, who joins us now, host of the Katie Halper Show and co-host, Of useful idiots. I can think of a few guests that you might have on useful idiots, Katie. Lovely to see you again. Uh, Who will be Donald Trump's running mate, do you think?
3: Honestly, I have no idea. I mean, the Republicans are so pathetic that it'll probably be someone who is, um, as usual, uh, criticized him Rightfully, but the Republicans are such spineless hypocrites that it's it's actually quite amusing seeing the people who Trump has humiliated and who tried to insult uh, Trump then line up, to kind of throw themselves at at his feet once the, once they drop out of the race themselves. Who
1: knows? Yeah, what loser I mean, it'll he be. won last night. Uh, he won last night in New Hampshire, though. Uh, plenty of Democrats voted for his rival, uh, Nikki Haley. She's been built up by the, uh, by the, the media as, uh, as papabile, as presidential, uh, in the way that Ron DeSantis briefly was. But both of them have fallen uh, by uh, the wayside. The, the nomination is Trump's uh, already, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I think so. And um, I think that all of the nominees, uh, potential nominees, all the candidates are very scary. But I actually think that uh, Haley is probably the scariest because she's the most neoconish. And she's, unlike Trump, she's a fairly competent administrator.
1: There's been more outrage amongst the glitterati, the chatterati, about the failure of the academy to recognize fully or suitably, appropriately, uh, the female star of Barbie uh, than there has been about the fact that nearly 30,000 people have been killed in Gaza and that 70% of them have been women and children. And the lives of women in Gaza, in particular, have been reduced to a state of absolute destitution. And I was uh, telling the caller about this phenomenon called PEP, progressive except Palestine. It's particularly true, isn't it, amongst liberal uh, sectors of the United States.
3: Well, I think here we see something called FEP, which I just thought of, which is feminist except Palestine. So you do have PEP, which is progressive except for on Palestine. But you actually I was listening to you discussing this uh, outcry from people like Hillary Clinton about the director and actress from or actor, I should say, from Barbie being snubbed by the Oscars. And I actually was inspired by your analysis. So I tweeted out, I quote tweeted Hillary's tweet, Hillary tweeted, Greta and Margot, while it can sting to win the box office, but not take home the gold, your millions of fans love you. You're both so much more than enough enough, which is a, a joke about Ken from Barbie. So I quote tweeted that mm. and I said any room mm. in your feminism for the women in Palestine being massacred, having C-sections without anesthesia, miscarrying because their hospitals have been bombed using 10 scraps of sanitary napkins or no. We'll see if she responds. Well yeah, yeah I,
1: I I doubt if she uh, will. Uh, but it is it is something striking. There are so many paradoxes under. Uh the the people who used to be left uh are now right. Uh, they are fans of the FBI and the CIA and the so-called justice system. They're trying to shanghai my friend Julian Assange and lock him away in a supermax. They are up for war here, there, and everywhere. And the people on the right that said they were America first turn out to be Israel first, before America. Uh, And so who does that leave, Katie?
3: Yeah, I think it's a really disgusting bipartisan consensus that we're seeing around Israel, where there is a shared uh, dehumanization of uh, Palestinian life We see Republicans and Democrats agreeing that um, ethnocracy uh, and theocracy and uh, settler colonialism should be defended and Palestinians should be discarded and genocided. And what's interesting is that so many of the people, including the prime minister of Israel himself, Netanyahu, we know that these people couldn't care less about Palestinian lives, that they hold them in contempt. But what's interesting is that they claim to be motivated by a desire to save Jewish life and Jewish lives, and they don't even care about that, because, of course, if they cared about the hostages, they'd stop the bombing. Not only are they refusing to engage in negotiations, which would, of course, lead to the release of hostages, but they're actually bombing them themselves. And as you alluded to earlier in the show, we now know that Israel, it wasn't just friendly, not just through friendly fire, but through a new version of the Hannibal Directive, they chose to kill some of these people who were being held by Hamas. So this is not even about saving Jewish lives. It's not even about their racist vision. It's actually, their racist vision is one that prioritizes killing Palestinians over saving Jewish lives.
1: The one ray of sunshine, uh, or one of the few rays of sunshine uh, from, the United States and uh, here in Britain, I don't know if it's true elsewhere in Europe because I don't know those communities as well, but I'd be surprised if it isn't, is the number and the vivacity of and youthfulness of uh, those Jewish activists standing up for Palestinian rights, opposing Israel, and you're one of the the most significant voices in that, but there's a whole new generation. Of course, you're still very young, Katie, I don't mean to imply otherwise, but there's people even younger than you who are now appearing, emerging as leaders, as talkers, as interviewees. It's a wonderful sight to behold, isn't it?
3: It is, that is something that's very inspiring to see. I mean, you have people who I think israel is so blatant because thanks to social media uh... we're seeing israel's genocide in real time and it's a lot harder for people to cover up israel's crimes it's a lot harder for israel to cover up its own crimes so what you have is you have younger people who haven't been as indoctrinated with pro-israel propaganda who are seeing israel for what it is uh... which is a a real genocidal nation i mean it is absolutely it's not an exaggeration to say that what they're doing is genocide and of course for Jews like me, the takeaway of the Holocaust is not never again for Jews, but yet yeah, totally again for other people. It's never again for anyone. I mean, how can people who care about the Holocaust look at these images of what's happening now and not be moved to act and move to act uh, in defense of Palestinians and move to to criticize Israel? That's the takeaway from the Holocaust. If you are a student of history, You should be up in arms about this. If not, you're just a racist Jewish supremacist who doesn't care about human beings unless they're Jewish, which is not the Jewish tradition that I come from.
1: Uh, But it is the prevalent uh, uh, ethos uh, in the state of Israel today, by all accounts, the great majority of Israeli citizens, there are some of the bravest people on the planet in Israel opposing it, but the great majority of Israelis are one a brand of uh, right. a, of Netanyahuism or other, uh, including many of the people who want rid of Netanyahu in order to put right. somebody even worse, if that's imaginable, uh, in his uh, place. But one of the, and Haaretz made this point today, I'm a, an avid reader of Haaretz, the, the best, it doesn't mean it's good, but the best newspaper in Israel. They made this point today that someone's going to have to get a grip of the Israeli armed forces in Gaza before they become lawless gangs. He might have said uh, after they have become lawless gangs, but they're putting their crimes on TikTok, Katie. They they dedicate the explosion of people's houses that they're about to make, they dedicate it to their wife on TikTok before pressing the handle and blowing up somebody's House. I mean, talk about self-incrimination. If the court doesn't have enough for Friday, uh, they just have to look at TikTok any other day.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that one one thing I will point out, speaking of Israeli opposition, you're right, that sadly, even among the people who are mad at Netanyahu, um, they still support using force, the kind of force he's using against uh, the people of Gaza and against Palestinians in general. But there were some family members of the hostages who actually bro- uh, stormed Parliament the other day and demanded that that the government engage in negotiations. And they said, what if it was your children? And of course, Netanyahu doesn't care because he's uh, extending this genocide to his- extend his own political life. But um, I think that, you know, in terms of broadcasting their crimes, that is what happens when you live in a society. You know, um, Gideon Levy, who is a Haaretz journalist, Israeli, has said that there are three things that let the Israelis live with the occupation. One of them is thinking they're the chosen people. The other one is thinking that they're victims who can do no wrong. And the third one is the dehumanization of Palestinians. And we see that loud and clear right here, which is the fact that they don't even have the wherewithal or the awareness to hide their crimes because they're living in a society where the dehumanization of Palestinians is so built into it. It's like, you know, a fish doesn't know it's in water. These people don't know they're in such a an environment of such hatred of Palestinians. And, you know, just uh, today, I believe was or yesterday, you had a man in Gaza who was giving an interview to a cameraman for a British channel, ITV, and he gave an interview and he was talking about how he was unable to um, get some of his family out who wanted to uh, to evacuate. Uh, they were so trying to follow Israel's orders and they shot him. They shot this man right after the Israeli forces shot him right after he gave this interview to ITV. Uh, His name is Ramzi Abu Salul and he shot. He's with other men, one of whom is carrying a white flag. Uh, There's a cameraman because there's an interview with him. He does the interview. And right after Israeli forces open fire, shooting at these men who are unarmed, one of whom is carrying a a white flag and uh, he's killed. And you see them carrying his body, covering it with a white flag that becomes covered. in you know, the white flag turns red as he's bleeding out. And again, this is something we saw Israelis uh, kill their own citizens. We saw Israelis kill hostages who had white flags, who were shirtless, running away, speaking to them in Hebrew. So obviously these people, if they're going to kill Israelis, they won't think twice about killing Palestinians. What are you
1: expecting from Friday's judgment in The Hague, Katie?
3: I'm honestly not sure. I had a show on this on the Katie Halber show. I interviewed Moeen Rabani and um, Norman Finkelstein. And, you know, there are a bunch of different options. They could they could say that there is a plausible case, but they may not make the recommendations for a ceasefire. I think we'll have to see. I, I do think that regardless of the outcome. People should be encouraged by South Africa's bravery. You know, they did this uh, at great political risk and they're not gaining anything from this. So I think no matter what happens, people should be grateful to South Africa. And also it's an unprecedented moment. Uh, just m- th- being able to bring this case to the um, ICJ in itself is is a, an important moment. But, you know, uh What's unbelievable is I have I had on Craig McIver, who is this U.N. official human rights lawyer who resigned over the U.N.'s failure to deal with Gaza appropriately. And he says that usually when you're making a genocide case against someone or a nation, you have to like spend all this time going through files and, and in the archives and looking for evidence of genocidal intent. But in this case, the genocidal intent is so clear. I mean, anyone can see it. Anyone who says the intent isn't there is just lying. The only way you can defend Israel is by saying it's justified. But Most there are some people who will say that, who says. But yeah, sure, we should exterminate them all. But most people uh, will pretend that it's not genocide, which just exposes them. Basically, anyone saying that there's no genocide in Palestine of the Palestinian people is either ignorant or a liar. Either way, they should be not taken seriously.
1: Now, uh, Britain, Germany, France and the United States, they're getting the old uh, band back together. They have already declared that they will not accept a verdict uh, of guilty from the ICJ. This is the rules-based order, uh, the rules-based pick-and-mix order. Uh, um, That will do grave damage to their governments amongst their own public opinion and lay them open uh, to legal action uh, from their own citizens, won't it?
3: I mean, I hope that would be a great outcome. I'm not sure. It's, it's depressing how much the Western powers get away with their crimes. So it would be a very welcome uh, outcome, but we'll have to see what happens.
1: Here's some uh, good uh, press for you. Landru says, if you haven't watched Norman Finkelstein on Katie's show, do... I can only imagine. It must have been terrific. Norman's a great guest and you're a great host. And Gilbert says, well done, George. I'm impressed by your choice of this guest. What a lovely, intelligent girl. Girl, it brings out your faith in fellow human beings. She's really cheered me up. Great show. Oh, thanks. That's encouraging, Katie. uh, How is your show doing and where can people find it?
3: Uh, YouTube.com slash the Katie Helper Show. You can also find it at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. You can also hear it on um, as a podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. I also co-host Useful Idiots with Aaron Maté. And yes, yeah, since October 7th, we've been focusing on this issue because there's so much propaganda around it. And we've brought on Palestinian guests, Noor um, Muin Rabani, Ali Abunima, We also have brought on Jewish guests from uh, Jewish Voice for Peace, brought on human rights voices like Craig McIver. Next week, I'm speaking to one of the college students who was sprayed at Columbia University with skunk, uh, with a with a toxic chemical. These people were protesting at Columbia and they were sprayed by people. And of course, Columbia hasn't done anything about it. You can only imagine what would have happened if the people doing the spraying instead of being pro-Israel were pro-Palestine. I mean, they'd be locked up already and they would have been dragged away in handcuffs right away but um yeah so this is i think it's really important to focus on this issue also um yamna patel who's great she's a Mondo weiss journalist based in usually based uh, in the west bank and of course we should mention that there was an american a palestinian american 17 year old who was killed in the west bank uh by israeli forces he's from louisiana And he moved uh, to Palestine in May and he's been uh, he's he's was killed. And his father said, you know, these are this is what uh, Americans are funding and how many mothers and fathers need to lose their children before this stops. And that really is a question I ask to everyone who's defending what Israel is doing. How many Palestinians need to die? How many Palestinians need to be murdered before you're satiated, before you're satisfied? those of you who keep invoking, but Hamas, but October 7th, what do you think you're doing? First of all, you think you're creating more fans of Israel? But besides that, how many kids is it acceptable to be killed? Over 25,000 people have been killed. The majority of them, women and children, as you pointed out, and you know, uh, topic, Hafez, Ajik Ajak is just the latest Amer- Palestinian American casualty, the 17 year old American student from Louisiana who was killed. Um, And yeah, his father said, how many fathers and mothers have to say goodbye uh, to their uh, children? How many more?
1: The way I read it in the American press was that he he wasn't killed, he died. uh, And a bullet somehow found its way into him. Oh, right. He ran into a bullet. Uh, The British and American media uh, portrayed the loss of 21 uh, Israeli soldiers uh, who were busily blowing up other people's houses uh, when they were themselves blown up. Uh, This was literally reported on state broadcasters in the West as the biggest daily death toll of the war. Well, only if you consider the 200-a-day Palestinians being killed, only if you consider them to be non-humans. Is this the biggest daily death toll? I mean, I I always thought the ratio was like 10 to 1. You know, 1 Israeli was uh, as valuable as 10 Palestinians. But it turns out my maths was way, way out. Katie Halper, always a delight to see you. And I hope everyone follows you on The Useful Idiots and, of course, on the one and only Katie Halper Show. Thanks for joining us.
0: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway.
1: Nizar Dasuki says, how likely will the ICJ judges vote politically? I wouldn't like to say. I'll have plenty to say on Sunday's show. Uh, Carpe Diem is in Michigan in the United States, place I've spoken many, many times. Yes, ma'am, what would you like to say? You probably already
0: reported on this, but I need to talk about it because it's giving me nightmares. On Saturday, January 20th, 2024, um, there were Palestinian families sheltering in the courtyard of Kamal Adwan Hospital in northern Gaza when Israeli bulldozers came into the courtyard rolled over their tents. It rolled over these families' tents, crushing to death 20 people. I saw the footage of the courtyard after these murders, just people frantically clawing through this mud and dirt trying to get to the bodies, the Zionists, they're not only, they slaughter the living and they torment the dead, even the dead. They have this new game now where they're digging up the buried mass graves with the explanation that they're looking for, they're looking for the bodies of their hostages. Okay. Okay. If, God forbid, you or I were looking for the body of a dead son or daughter or mother or father in a mass grave, would we do it with a bulldozer? Would we look for the body of a dead uh, family member with a bulldozer?
1: That's a very, very powerful and emotional call. I'm grateful to you for making it. Uh, The scenes, I saw the Kamala Dwan uh, scenes, Myself uh, are being replicated not just daily, but many times uh, a day. Uh, They allowed a shipment of aid in uh, earlier today. Uh, The people, as people in a famine situation do, rushed out in very large numbers to collect the aid. And the Israelis gave them precisely one minute To grab what they could and then opened fire on them, killing and wounding many. The sadism, often filmed by themselves, often tick tocked by themselves, uh, the vicious sadism uh, that is being paraded hourly out of Gaza is unforgettable, it is unforgivable. And caused the Haaretz newspaper headline today. Somebody has to get a grip of this before the army becomes a lawless gang. Well, that horse has already left the stable. It has bolted. The lawlessness, the sadistic lawlessness of these gangs, for that is what they are, operating in uniform, but gangs of terrorists has now been seen, not by millions, not even by hundreds of millions, but by billions of people around the globe. My own tweets get millions of views. Just me. And if you add up the number of people who have seen all of this, including the gruesome grave robbing of which you speak, is in the billions, and you can't put a price on that. The genie is out of the bottle and will never be able to be put back in. Thank you for that wonderful call from the great state of Michigan. The legend Norma in Bristol is our last caller, as we always like it to be. Norma, welcome
0: hello George Um, it's just a quickie really because there's not much time Um, on Saturday it's the 27th isn't it the Holocaust Remembrance Day um, is Mm -hmm. well when actually millions of Jews were murdered by the Nazis but um, when our leaders they assemble and they say never again and at the same time they're not acknowledging the the genocide in
1: Gaza, it sticks in my throat a bit, really. You know? Yeah, it's uh, very difficult. Uh, we must never again uh, tolerate the annihilation of a whole people or a part of that people uh, in the kind of genocide that we saw in the Holocaust, in which six million Jews perished along with uh, 26 million citizens and soldiers of the Soviet Union, many of whom, of course, were Jews. So there's an overlap there. Many of the Jews that were murdered in the Holocaust, particularly in the Holocaust of the East, which were murdered up close and personal in pits by the Einsatzgruppen of Hitler under the control of the SS, but... Actually, most of the killing done uh, by uh, Nazi allies, foremost amongst which were the extreme Ukrainian nationalists at Babi Yar, almost a million people in the Ukraine were murdered, and most of them were murdered by Ukrainians, not by Germans. But the Germans are responsible for it because it was their invasion uh, of the Soviet Union. It was their holocaust. Uh, We must never forget it. Uh, I am the first to say uh, that the Holocaust against the Jews, and I draw this distinction in their favor because the purpose of the Holocaust in part was clearly to annihilate every last Jew in Europe. So although the whole of the Jewish people was not massacred, that was not for the want of trying on the part of fascism. Indeed, the triumph of the Red Army, they were all at Auschwitz the other day. Elon Musk and and, uh, and some uh, scurrilous individuals were there in, in Auschwitz, but nobody mentioned who liberated Auschwitz nobody mentioned whose soldiers paid enormous price to liberate not just Auschwitz, but to liberate Germany itself from the Nazi filth and who caused the destruction of the beast of Berlin Adolf Hitler. None of that was mentioned, didn't get a look in, in this week's conduct to Auschwitz. But the attempt to remove every last Jew from the earth, certainly from Europe and ultimately it would have been from the earth, can never be forgotten and can never be forgiven. But how ironic, how ironic, that the next state up on genocide charges should be a state which lyingly calls itself the Jewish state. Katie Halper has nothing to do with that state. Neither does Aaron Matty. Neither does Max Blumenthal. Uh, Neither do hundreds of Holocaust survivors, or the children of Holocaust survivors, like the aforementioned Norman Finkelstein. None of the Jews for justice, Jews for peace, in America and in Britain, want anything to do with this state. It is not the state of the Jews. And in any case, there are 8 million non-Jews living in it. But half of them have no rights at all, except the right regularly to be murdered. But we should commemorate the Holocaust next week, and we should be even more determined to ensure that it isn't repeated in the Gaza Strip. Now look, here's some advance notice of some importance. Wednesday's motes, that's the midweek motes, is being moved to 7pm UK time. Sundays are 7pm, so will Wednesdays also be 7pm UK time. That's from Wednesday, the 7th of February. Make a note, please, in your diaries. For logistical reasons, and from the 7th of February onwards, the Wednesday Moat Show will be the same time as the Sunday Moats Show. Well, it's been marvellous for me. I hope it was for you, and if it was, please come back on Sunday at 7pm UK time for The Mothership, the original, mother of all talk shows and bring another viewer with you why don't you and sign up now to my patreon if you can good night